What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 5.5 of Behind the Daw. And on this episode, we have a very special guest. But before we get into who that guest is, I just want to explain really quick, what is the difference between normal episodes and 0.5 episodes? 0.5 episodes is when we take the audio from our YouTube series in the Daw. We take that audio, put it in a podcast form so that you can get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge. Of course, the emotional knowledge is coming from the regular Behind the Dot episodes where we interview artists on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic basis. But this one, this one is totally about the technical side. So anyways, who do we have for this episode? Well, we have Tassione. And if you haven't listened to episode five of Behind the Dot, I highly encourage you to do so. But he is going to give us really great insight into things like working with cymatics. He's going to talk about how he did really unique stereo imaging on his leads. He's also going to talk about why mixing in mono is useless, at least in his opinion. So it's a really, really great episode. It is in mono, though, which is really quite ironic. But this was back in 2017 before we figured out how to record in stereo with Zoom. It is it is what it is. It kind of sucks, but hey, at least we got it. Thank you so much for coming through and watching this. If this series is really helping you on your music production journey, I would highly encourage you to go check out the In The Daw and Behind The Daw Patreon. It helps fuel and fund In The Daw and Behind The Daw so that we can keep bringing these things to you. Also, becoming a part of the patron, you get access to a private Discord community where you can talk to other producers and collaborate. You can share tips and tricks. It's it's fantastic. It's There's so much value in there. So, Please, if you're interested in that, there's a link in the description. Go ahead and click on that. DaBot will get you all set up. Also, there's a link down there for suggestions. If you have suggestions for certain artists to bring on the show, whether it's to do just a normal Behind the Daw episode or for an In the Daw episode, click the link below. It's there. DaBot will help you get set up. It's freaking amazing. And then finally, if you want private lessons in music production or in social media marketing, DaBot. He's got you. Go click the link in the description. He'll set you up, put you in the right place so that we can get those lessons for you and keep helping you along your journey. So if you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or Google Play or Deezer, wherever you're listening to this. And please like or comment or share or repost or whatever is appropriate on the platform that you're listening on. It helps us know that we're doing the right thing. It also helps us rank up so that we can keep growing, growing, and finding more producers like you who need this type of content. So uh, feel free to comment if you want me to change anything or do certain things differently. I'm always listening. I'm always checking the comments. So thank you so much. And so without further ado, I want to introduce you to Tassian. say that your your music career I, I don't want to say took took off but kind of like stepped up to the next plate when you started working with cymatics or did you step up and then start working with cymatics do you know what i mean i never would say that i'm better than anyone at all but some people may be better career-wise i try to like work harder so i always try to like really focus on the details and like go crazy on certain things that like maybe people you know it's not the flashiest things like mix downs or sound design or just like really stress on like mix downs like i guess that's what a lot of people say is like oh mix your mix downs and sound design like i've spent so many years and i'm still every day i'm always like beating myself up about like it not being perfect because it'll never be perfect but i just try to work that hard every day you know regardless so I don't see that ever changing, but I think it was I think it was there, like the building blocks were there. I really got lucky 
with being able to get the job at Cymatics because I was working at a mortgage company before that. So I was spending 50 hours working at a mortgage company a week. I got to quit that and work for Cymatics, which that was the best thing I could have ever done. Everyone loves to hate on them because they're, they're on the outside. But when you're on the inside, it's great because I got paid to work on music every single day, all day. That's all I did. And I think from last year to this year, I learned so much that I never could have, you know, I could have learned it without them. But when you're being paid to do something all day, it's like a lot different than like just making your own music. Are you still working with them? Uh, I do freelance stuff with them, but it just got too hectic. Like it wasn't fair for me or them for me to be working with them like six days a week all day because I have my own career stuff and like, you know, they're running a business. So it's also not fair for them, for me to be like half in, half out, but also being paid full time. So I still work with them a lot and do freelance stuff. That's pretty much the extent of it. Your job with Cymatics was your primary income at that point. But now that you kind of step back, is it more in like touring or? No, I'm not, not so much there yet. I'm anticipating that to be hopefully coming soon. But I mean, that stuff is so hard to like get traction for. It's like, I feel like that first step is really the hardest to kind of get your name to be a household name. I feel like I have a big, not a big, but I feel like I have a pretty re good reputation around other producers as far as like my skills, but it's really hard to break into that like non-producer. You know what I'm saying? Like where like the casual fan will like, did you hear this guy? Like this guy's so cool. There's a lot of guys that are super cool and like just killing it. And I feel like that as far as my brand, like that's the, that's like been the hardest step to take is like into the casual. You um, mentioned something interesting with regards to tracks not feeling like they're ever completely perfect. And, and that's something that I speak to quite a lot of people and they always seem to feel like the tracks are never perfect, no matter how long they work on it. So do you, do you ever feel like the stuff you complete is finished or, or perfect? Or are there always things that in your, in your mind you can improve on? Uh, there's always things I can improve on. There's rarely a track like regardless of what it is. And it's, it's weird. It's almost like people's favorite tracks of mine are the tracks that I feel are the least finished. Like the tracks that I am like the least happy with are the tracks that most people like. It's always been a struggle for me is, um, is a lot of people will be like, this is my favorite song. And I'm like, I did that like two years ago. Like I hate that song. Like that song is so bad in my eyes. So that's been like a real big thing for me is like trying to step away from it and like not be, so close and invested in it because like at the end of the day it's like a song like it's like an edm like trap huge banger song it's not like i'm curing cancer or something like where that you know so i'm like you know i try to step away from it but yeah it always feels everything always feels like unfinished or when I look back on it, I'm like, this could be better. The only songs that don't feel like that are the songs that I have like a complete breakthrough where I experiment and it works a hundred percent. And it's com something completely new that I've never done because I don't have anything to compare it to for my last tracks. But when I start repeating things, which isn't a bad thing, but when I start repeating things, I always compare it to the first time I did that when I think it was like most perfect. So it's tough. It's like when that, it's like when a band that comes out has that one song that's blows up and then like everyone always compares all work to that song. And it usually never tops it, not because the song quality, but because of like the feeling that person had when they first experienced that. I think that's a really 
interesting point that people tend to forget where there's there's definitely like a novelty factor uh, when you hear something new for the first time so uh, I mean probably something something like dubstep or trap can be a, a, gr- a great example of this where the first time you hear a like a crazy trap trap with those big 808s in like a big festival speak system or, or big club system it almost like changes your life with the with the visceral energy um but then if you listen to it for like five hours straight then all of a sudden it doesn't quite have that same impact compared to the very first time so i think it's a really interesting point that people should uh you know always always bear in mind that that novelty that new factor there's some about it like I, I always think so like heavily into things and i think sometimes it's a good thing and a bad thing but i think there's definitely some validity to like some of the things mm-hmm. but a lot of times i say things and like people who aren't into music like my girlfriend or my family are like like dude you need to relax <laughs> like calm down a little you know i'm like i can't it's a mess how did you feel about this song do you feel like it was complete or you still listen to it and you're like oh. that one's actually one of my favorite ones that one I think I'm really happy with because that was just like the loudest mix down I've ever had. And I think that like the sound design in that I've used like similar sounds, but for some reason, like this one just sounded like really clean. It was like the cleanest version of that kind of sound that I've done. And even now it's like, I just did this remix for Uzi. I was using similar sounds and it just was not even coming close to that one. Like it didn't have the same impact and energy. The mix down just was not good at all. And I literally like had to reevaluate it. And I went back into the RL Grime remix, took the master, the kick, the sub, the side chain, and I just put it into the new project and it instantly sounded so much better. And I'm like, okay, I guess I just cannot deviate from this. I suppose the first thing I'm curious about is the the main the main lead sound on, on the drop. Yeah, how did how did that come together? So I have this like sick obsession with the serum reverb filter, which like I know a lot of people use. I just <laughs> love that sound. I love like the the synths that don't sound like synths. You know what I'm saying? It's not like necessarily dubstep, it's not necessarily like anything like I guess I get a lot of inspiration from like Valentino Khan Dylan Francis and like Bose Vandebeats and Weeweck that kind of sound how it's a little jungly I kind of like that jungly sound where it's like it's not really something you can put your finger on this is what I do for every time I have a lead all right so that that is the source of the sound Basically, this is the patch. I and I make everything from scratch. So like this isn't something that like I've saved. I that may uh not be good for my productivity, <laughs> but I really don't like to like reuse things. I kind of just like to do whatever comes at the moment because I feel like that's just like the most original and like organic you can possibly do it. I feel like once you develop a sound, it's kind of hard to like stray away from it. So it'll sound similar anyway. Yeah, this is what I tend to do. And honestly, I don't even remember doing this. So this will be like really nice for me to like dive back in. I have this kind of short uh, LFO here, which has like this transient here. And this is mapped to uh, level FM from B, uh, a little wavetable position, which like isn't that much of a change. This is like a custom wavetable that was made from there's this guy named Latheon who's like one of the main designers for Cymatics who's like an absolute wizard <laughs> like he is so ridiculously good and he just has like great wavetables that I got they're working so that's one of these it's a huge octave jump a little bit of this comb which let me hear 
it sounds like it's just kind of taming things slightly. I don't know. It's not really a make or break kind of thing. So yeah, this is a pretty raw sound. So I can kind of get away with uh, having this stereo image like pretty messed up by this. I normally really hate to use this, this hyper and dimension and serum on basses just because when you have this on, it just kind of takes the sound and it just sort of like, it makes it less like distinct in my eyes. Like it, I feel like it doesn't really do a great job of keeping the sound's integrity while also widening the stereo image. But for this one, this is a pretty raw sound. So I think it almost just works for it. Like it keeps it super wide and out of control. So kind of the main objective for this is to keep it super wide and out of control while still keeping it completely in control. I didn't even use the reverb filter for this. I'm like blowing my own mind right now. I could have sworn I used the reverb filter. Wow. In the miscellaneous tab, like the combs, all passes reverb. I kind of like cycle through these depending on like what mood I'm in. Oh yeah. So yeah, without that combs, it sounds terrible. Disclaimer on sound design, sometimes it just comes to me and it's a great day and like my whole general life is just amazing. And then some days it sucks and I'm like the most miserable person in the world. That's usually, my day goes one of two ways. And this day it was great. So what I love about this overdrive plugin, which I feel like is very underused in a certain way, I kind of look at this overdrive plugin like an EQ. Like I could get a pretty similar effect by creating a shape like this in an EQ. But what this kind of does is you select your band that you want to like boost or overdrive. And in my eyes, I'm just kind of boosting the high frequencies, but I'm also like overdriving them slightly. So it's like a two in one for me. Like I could use this as an EQ and boost these frequencies, but yeah, I'm also kind of overdriving them and compressing them a little bit all at the same time. So I like to use that like sparingly, but I think it's really awesome. So yeah, you hear all that low end. So I think it sounds really good with like this. That's like a higher than I'd normally cut. I think it really needed that because it's got that like airy type feel. It didn't, doesn't really need all that low end. I feel like everyone loves Ozone 5 anything. I feel like... Yeah. I think the thing that I like too is I like the imager and how half the time I, I open up the imager just to look at it. I don't even do anything. So I'm pretty sure this is like... It's a pretty crazy like out of control sound, especially when you introduce like the comb filters and everything like that. It just gets very stereo. So I guess I just wanted to tame the highs. I'm like looking at this now and I'm like, this is awesome. Like I need to do this more often because that that's always what happens. I always like do something great and then I just totally forget what I did. And then I like have to come back to it. And I'm like, who made this song? Like this wasn't me. I, I don't do this stuff. So uh, yeah, let's see what I did with this reverb. Uh, I just used it to introduce. Yeah, so this is kind of how I introduce my leads in every song. So yeah, I do this literally every time. And I don't know why. Sometimes I pick EQs. Sometimes I pick filters to do my filtering. Really no science behind it. But yeah, I'll like high pass it, low pass it, and then uh, add some reverb. Just so it, it introduces itself nicely. Just slight compression there. So what I'll do is I'll bounce that out because if I take this and I'll freeze this and flatten it, this is like one of the biggest tricks that I learned by mistake because I was like, oh, I'm running out of CPU. I got to get rid of the serum. Like I'll just bring it to audio because this is the final. With this stuff, I bounce 
every single one of my leads out because I'm super like a stickler about like rhythm and stuff. Like I try to make it as best as possible. I guess guys like Ricky Remedy are like super sick at that. Like their music is just so tight. So I'm like really like intense about that right here is like when you flatten it, I don't know, there's like a little delay. So sometimes even in this track, I didn't even fix it. But a lot of times, like if it's not sounding good, I go by my ear first. If it's not sounding good, sometimes it's because of that. And I'll like take it and slide the whole thing over. So then everything is like now it's on the grid. Well, I noticed the way that you created audio is that you froze a track, then dragged that track into an audio track and it converted it to audio. Does it do any, and it gave you a delay that way. Does it do the same thing that if you, you know, you froze the entire track and then you flatten the entire track, does it still introduce that little delay at the beginning? Let's try it. I think it does because of the, the fact that some plugins have latency built in. It's the comb filter. Like the more resonance and the lower you put the the cutoff on the comb, all pass and reverb, the more delayed it gets. Like. real screwy like that, especially with the reverb filter. So then I have to go in and I basically just tighten everything up. So now this is the flattened version. And now it's like, I do the, I love these reverb throws where it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a little like pluck there. And then the reverb kind of comes in without it. It's just, I'm just kind of automating the volume up uh, as it's building. I I don't know what's going there. I guess I just wanted to make uh, some of these kind of decay a little faster. LFO tool. I guess this is just giving it like a little bit of pulsing to it. This is the bread and butter though. This is why I wanted, this is why I wanted the stereo to work. So this is like literally what I do for everything and I love it. It just makes it sound so great. It opens up some space. So if you turn this off, still sounds sick, but with it on, chaos it's like going all over you know it's like bouncing back and forth from ear to ear and with that it gives it just like i feel like it opens up the mix like it makes the mix sound a lot nicer because it's not really conflicting with anything going right down the middle and it also just makes it sound more interesting and like controlled and so just the way that you did that is you took a utility put it in in an effect rack and then map the center yeah i mapped that there and then i also set my minimum and maximum to 25 left and 25 right just so i could like slam this thing back and forth and with the automation with this when you were uh, automating the the panorama that did you like map it to an encoder and then do it or did you just draw it in i uh, just draw it in but a lot of it is repetition i think the more automation you do you can just get way more accurate with what you want it's sometimes it sucks but sometimes it's, it's exactly what you need that's a really cool little trick because i mean people people tend to think about stereo imaging and forget the a big part of stereo imaging is actually stereo movement and having the sound actually move about so so do, do you have a consistent approach to stereo imaging or do you tend to just make it up depending on the the track you're working on it really depends so i have a few little tricks that I do. So I, I use these like um, these crazy leads like a lot where especially with the reverb filter, like in my track, like I did this Uzi remix, Ash It, my one track Runaway, my remix of like Little Uzi Vert's Money Longer, this song. I just did another remix for Uzi where I use this sound. So I've gotten pretty decent at like controlling things, controlling things with that sound. And a lot of that has to do with like stereo image because I think it's really nice to have a great stereo image, but sometimes with uh, the sounds in Serum, 
it's not a consistent stereo image. So I like to do it manually. So I know I'm getting a really interesting sound, but I'm controlling it and like completely having it consistent. It's all over the place, but it's like completely controlled at the same time. That's like controlled chaos is like what I live for. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. So yeah, stereo image is something that I like, I've been trying to focus on a lot because I think it just can really clean up your mix a lot when you can control everything like that. Awesome. And, and do you ch- check in mono afterwards um, or just hope that it, it does all work out? I check in mono, but like I never have had an issue ever with like mono compatibility. So I do check, but at the same time, like I don't really care because I, I guess like why does it need to be in mono? Sometimes it shows. All of my stuff sounds great. It shows from when I've played it. And aside from that, everything else is stereo. I really don't know if it has the same sort of impact that maybe it once had, because I'm sure that with all the money, uh, like venues are putting into their systems, they'd at least have some like stereo compatibility with it. I don't know too much about it, but like it's 2017, like you can't just be like listening to stuff in mono. There's so many great guys out there who like take stereo to the next level. So like, why would you play anything in mono? It's like watching something in standard def when you have like a 4K TV. If we look at the timeline of bass music, because I like bass music a lot, you know, like when Trulix came out and like sounds were really what like blew my mind. And then as the years went on, the the sounds and then like the movement of the sub instead of just like doom, doom, it'd be like and it kind of do that that kind of blew yeah. my, and now I'm kind of coming out of that and now what's kind of blowing my mind is the sounds the bass movement and now the stereo movement of everything together you know what I mean it's kind of creating yeah like, yeah exactly like I mean I don't I don't do anything crazy like pan something hard right to where there's nothing on the left so then I feel like like you'll never you'll never like lose anything if you're like listening on one earphone. Cause I know a lot of people do that too. So I try to kind of keep that in mind where it's like panning something hard left is kind of unnatural and it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me because like when in your life have you ever only heard something with one ear? It's never happened. So I don't feel like, I don't find that like super realistic, you know, unless you're talking on a phone or something, but that's pretty much it. it I also don't think that's good for like the song that kind of bugs me. So stereo image is definitely like important for me because I'll listen to a lot of songs like by people who are just learning or like even songs that I made a, a while ago where the stereo image is all over the place. Like some basses are super mono because they're really basic. And then the leads are like out of control, wide, you know, just chaotic, but not in a good way. It's like not consistent at all. And I'm like, it sounds so messy. So is the, the 25 left, 25 right? Is that kind of your, your limit or do you ever go beyond that? Uh, I don't go more than 35. Sometimes it really just depends, but I try not to go above 35. It really depends. Like for a main sound, I don't go that, that wide. But for a background sound, I might go like, for like the auto pan or something, if I'm just auto panning a background sound, I might go like, you know, up to like 75. Just because it's background, it's not like a main sound. So it's just kind of like giving a nice stereo like ambience. Yeah. So with any points in the track that caused you difficulties or, or you got a bit stuck at, whether it's from like mixing or, or sound design or songwriting or? No, this one, I think this is why this is one of my favorite songs because it all really came naturally. Like I was like, wow, I'm done. Sick. <laughs> and usually it's like, oh yeah, man, this is sounding great. And then I take it to my car and I play it. I'm like, awesome, this is sounding great. And then I'll play this song and I'm like, wow, that song is terrible. I need to go back to the drawing board. So this has become like my new benchmark of like how a mix should sound. And even when I play this, it shows. If I'm like going out of one song and into this one, I'm like, the song is so loud. Like I'm really 
stoked on that. So this one is like, is like one of my favorites because it just came so easy and I'm like super psyched. And like everything that I did helped the song and didn't hurt it at all. It's like every step that I took made the song better. And usually I'll, I'll do a thing and I'll try to be fancy. I'll be like, wow, this is going to make the song sound so sick. This is a new technique. And it ends up just destroying the song. So it's like touching on that, I use the same 808, the same drop sub, sub riser, sub like effects. I use like, I use the same stuff all the time. Same kick, same snare, same sidechain settings, same background things, because I, it just works so well. With the synths and the main synths and the songwriting, I try to make that different and improve on that every time. But as far as like the effects, all of these sort of like technical things, I think that I like, I need to keep that the same. And sometimes I forget. And in regards to, you know, you having like the same background, same drums, uh, same side chaining, all that. How much time do you think that saves you per session? Well, it all depends. Sometimes, you know, it's just like anything, like it's not a constant. Like I compare it to like sports a lot. It's like, you may have a really good game. You may have like a horrible game. And like some days are like that. And some I spent my whole life playing sports. So it's like some days I'll be like, I'll look back to like some amazing games I've had. And I'll be like, I don't even know how I did that. Cause I'm not that good. So like, this is like the same thing where it's like, I do the same things every day. And sometimes it sounds great. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's super frustrating, but it's definitely not like a linear sort of process. It's not like, I don't know anything that's like super linear. It's not like doing math where it's like, you can do the same equation a million times and it's going to have the same results. I had a quick question for you about uh, your, your little like base one shots, I guess you can call it or lead one shots where it's like, I loved how you did it because like they came in, there was like a big explosion and then you automated the volume and it like came right back in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The ones that you kind of showed earlier. And was that just through volume automation? You just like had a boom and then you, you which one? The, the base shots? I think it is the base shot. Like on the one? I, yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So, so I saved this and I've used this a few times because I feel like the one shots are like, they're okay to like reuse to an extent, but the leads I try to make from scratch every time just to have like some uniqueness and, you know, just get better. So yeah. So these are like those, uh, Latheon. I like to use pretty simple like wavetables. Mm -hmm. So this is like kind of like a sine wave and this is also just like a gritty sign. So, um, yeah, as far as automation on this, like I'll just like use the utility and I grouped it and I, I don't have anything from this map, but I opened up the chain and then mapped that to macro one, because if I just want to turn it down or up, I don't want to have to like, I don't want to have to automate that. I just want like an overall volume thing. So that's why I use the utility so much. And then I went into map and I just set the maximum at zero because standard it just sets it at six mm. so i just do that so i can have like reverb it's more accurate than just turning off the mixer because i can do this yeah so sidechain compression i mean uh, you, you mentioned you use the same settings for most of your projects so is that using the compressor in ableton on like the kick and the snare uh, or do you do anything different with like lfo tool or Sidechain, I take super seriously. So what I do is I don't ever put sidechain compressors on anything in my groups or on any of the sounds. This is the only sidechain that goes on besides the sub. I'll just put the kick, the kick sidechain on the subgroup, but nothing else. And uh, I only put the sidechain here and I set it as in. And then I'll route everything besides the sub and the drums into that group. So if you listen to this...
So I save my sidechain settings from other songs that I really like. And I'll like jump back and forth between two different ones because sometimes one sounds better than the other. I have a trigger. So this is the kick that I use. Nitty gritty. He's like best. He's so sick. So he's got this sample pack and there's, this is the kick inside of his sample pack, nitty kick that I use every time. Cause it's just beast. And that's pretty much the extent of the process processing that I have going on there. Uh, just cutting out the extreme lows because they get to, they tend to get like a little long there. So, but that's not what I use for a side chain. I use the Ableton eight or wait, no, I don't. Oh, that was for one of them. I used the Ableton eight compressor, but, um, I'll just sidechain it to that kick and I automate the threshold just here because I don't want it to sidechain super hard right there. Like and I have the dry wet down there as well. I do like a good amount of automation for that, especially is when I'm doing my builds. If I have like a lot of kicks going there, like I will not like sidechain the second half of the build. So that is my sidechain settings for that. And then another uh, major, major trick is the look ahead. So I never used to mess with this, but standard, this comes at one, I believe. Let me see this. Yeah, I think, they think it's one from memory unless they've changed it. Oh, it's a zero. Okay. okay. So the look ahead is a zero. So, and you can only look at that. Like if it's here, you can't see that. So I always go to this view so I can really see like what I'm looking at. And I'm not exactly sure what the look ahead does. I feel like you might know that because just from like watching your tutorials, you seem to know like a lot about the ins and outs of these plugins, but correct me if I'm wrong. It might be for like latency stuff. Like if you're doing things live, the look ahead might not be good because it might be like a, adding a delay to it. But I set this thing on 10 milliseconds just so the compressor like works the best. I don't know if that's like right or... Yeah, I must admit, I don't know 100%. It's, it's, it's one, of, one of those things that I can look up the technical definition. And I, I think it like offsets the input signal, but I can't, I haven't, haven't quite figured, like correlated the technical thing with why it sounds nicer, if, 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 if you know what I mean. But um, yeah, certainly I, mean, I, I, I use the look at time of 10 milliseconds with the it was in live FF1 mode. Yeah, I, I, I mean, certainly most people tend to use the uh, 10 millisecond for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, I think I always used to overlook this, but since I started doing this, I think it sounds so much better. So I want to hear if I hear if like we can hear the difference. But yeah, to me, it just seems like it's giving the it's pushing the entire song back 10 milliseconds like the output of it so it gives the compressors time to like really do their job right if you could go back in time and uh set with yourself when you first started writing this session and give yourself some tips and tricks to make this session go easier what would those tips and tricks be this is one of those ones where i really am super happy with this one i could show you probably about 90 percent other of my projects that i could give such critical feedback on how i would do things but this one is just one of those ones that i have no bad thoughts, I would just tell myself to not be ashamed or afraid of reusing things exactly how they are and don't deviate from what works. And by that, I just mean like those technical things that I talked about. Like for the new one, I was using a different EQ on the kick, different side chain, different processing. Like I try to replicate everything so hard, like the amount of input gain going into each one of my plugins 
the EQs on the kicks, the 808, you know, what I'm doing for the 808s. Like I have two different 808s here that I overlap. Same 808, same everything. So I guess to just work smarter and just have these things saved. Like I should honestly save each one of these groups and just drag them back in because I spent a lot of time searching for these exact, I use the same effects in every song. So like I need to just save save this and just keep writing over it and then switching things as I need. So I guess just work smarter, try not to be a hero is what I would tell myself. So on the, one of your reverbs, you had the quality set to eco. Was that a conscious decision for the, the sort of sound that the eco mode gave you or or did it, was it just the the deep? Oh yeah. (laughs) Completely forget about that. It's, that is like one of those things that I overlook is if things sound good right off the bat, I'm not thinking about that, but sometimes I'll like go in and really analyze what's going in really what's going on. And then I'll be like, I'll remember it. If the reverb isn't sounding great, sometimes everything just clicks and it sounds great. And I just don't even worry about it. And I move on. And then other times I'm like, maybe it's that like the reverb isn't sounding as clean or as, or exactly what I want. And I'll change that and mess with it. But no, that's never a conscious decision when it's left on eco. Most of the times I switch it to high, but I never catch it. No, no worries. Because yeah, I, I remember um, on, on some of the Diva presets, the, the Yuhi uh, synth, um, eco sounds so wildly different to Divine that sometimes eco can sound cool, even though it's technically less perfect. So yeah, I, I suppose one bit of advice to people in general is, well, yes, high may theoretically be better. Sometimes eco can give a give it a bit of a, a different different edge so it's uh you don't don't always roll out that eco mode it's something that you know i I, there's probably like 90 percent of stuff in this doll that i completely overlook that has such that i'll be like ah it's not important like i i don't know what that knob does so it must not do something drastic and then it really does like that look ahead on the compressor is like probably one of the most overlooked things like i could ever think about but since i did that it's just like completely changed in my in my eyes like i cannot not have that on my side chain now so the only thing as far as like arrangement or sound design i think this is incredible i think it's so dope especially the stereo imaging that you did with the weed i'm so happy to see that becoming more and more common just because it's so cool the only thing that i have to offer on the sound design portion is that have you ever done the uh it's similar to the comb filter it's similar to the to the reverb filter is it, is it all passes with the cut off on the resonance in a certain position it's not the all passes one it's the oh my gosh i can't believe it's it's evading me right now i just okay so it's the comb plus that's what it is have you ever played oh them? yeah yeah these th- these two are my top i love these i think these are just sound way better than like all of these yeah dude well the know. phase the phases do a different job but i think the comb plus and minus are just the two best I, for those of you who's watching this and haven't seen it before so what you do is you go into that and you set it to comb plus um or or comb minus and then you uh crank up the resonance almost all all the way or all the way depending on what you want and then you play with the cutoff and it just gives you oh a hundred percent i want to see oh in my track get it just so people can have a reference in what you're talking about because this is exactly what i did for All right, so this sound that comes right after that bubbly sound is in MIDI. It is all the same note, except I have that resonance, like you said, up all the way, and I'm automating that cutoff. But it's all the same note, and I'm automating the cutoff getting that sound. So just so people like can have a reference point and like what you're talking about. So. (laughs) 
So that bim bum bum bam bam like that's all the same lead, same note, just automating that cutoff like you're talking about. So yeah, that's an awesome trick. I love that one. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Nah, man. Thank you guys. I'm a huge fan of uh, your stuff, Multiplier, and I've been watching you for a while just trying to, you know, it's always great no matter how advanced or beginner you are to watch tutorials because, you know, you might just pick up something so little that might change things around. Hey, Don Nation. Hope you enjoyed episode 5.5 with Tassione. If you did, go ahead and let me know. Put it down in the comments or whatever it is, whatever is appropriate to do on the platform that you're listening to, which reminds me, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or Google Play or Deezer or wherever you're listening to it, please like, comment, follow, subscribe. Uh, what else can you do? Repost, things of that nature, whatever is appropriate on the on the platform that you're on. That'd really, really help out. Also, if you're interested in joining the Patreon, or you have suggestions for next episode, or if you want private lessons, or virtually anything else, there is links in the description. Go ahead, click on that. Get connected with the Dabot. He sends everything over to me when we get things going. So, all right, Donation, you have a wonderful day. Catch you next time.